you are listening to the Brand Architect Podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander. Hello, hello there, everyone. Welcome back to the Brand Architect Podcast. I'm really happy that the renaming went quite smooth. Uh, I'm very happy that we're getting used to the new name and that you guys stick to listening to the podcasts. I'm really, really happy to have you over. And can you imagine we're already at episode 161. And just a few days ago, the podcast turned two years old. So yeah, I mean, I've been uh, behind the mic for over two years already. And who would have thought? I mean, honestly, when I was just launching the podcast, for me, it was just an experiment. I had no idea how long I would be doing this. I had no idea that I would enjoy it so much. And I had no idea that I would actually be talking to so many people. Because uh, looking back, the biggest fear I had before I pushed the publish button and before my podcast went on air was that no one would be listening to me and I would be talking behind the microphone to myself. So it didn't happen. We have loads of people. We have come up with a big audience. I'm, I'm absolutely delighted about this and I truly appreciate every single one of you who is listening. The other thing that I've decided to do from now on uh, is I will most probably uh, try to do all of my interviews from now on in a video recording as well. So you will have the choice between listening to me while you are on a go and actually watching the interview so you can see the guests, you can see our gestures and um, how we look and how we communicate and how it's actually done from behind the scenes so that would be on my youtube channel so now from now on you will have a choice either to watch the thing or to listen to it so this is the first episode uh, which has its video version and uh, it's because when I was choosing the guest I realized that there's no way that I should actually miss the chance of doing a video with this guy because he's amazing. So today I'm talking to Brian G. Johnson and uh, he's a serial entrepreneur, number one best-selling author, engaging speaker, product developer, poodle lover and an all-around very good and fun guy and you'll see this um, or hear this by listening to the interview. Okay. Hello. Hello, Brian. Welcome to the Brand Architect Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, It's really awesome to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to it. I'm so happy that we finally made it. So I I know that you've been pretty busy with your book launch and then you were very busy with your YouTube channel. So finally, we we have time for us. (laughs) I'm really happy. So... um, I'll tell you what I know about you, which is the unofficial unofficial version of my impressions from online, uh, the way I see you. So I'll let you later on continue with your official version. But I I see you as a fun guy who's doing some stuff with marketing and especially with videos. Uh, Very sort of, you know, unique style of, you know, having this... uh, unofficial fun sort of image of the person uh, who who loves poodles who who spreads pixie dust and at the same time with this you know unofficial and fun way also shares knowledge and value and shares what he knows and helps people uh, market themselves so um, that's what I had like from a side look and what differentiates you from others at least you know from what I've picked up. Um, now I'm I'm letting the floor to you to sort of let us know who you really are and if my impressions were correct or not. Annie, I think you've done an excellent job in really picking up what I've been trying to get across and what's important to me. And first off, I want to uh, address 
what you said as far as being different and unique and, and being fun. And I was able to quit my job as a professional chef. So you may or may not know, I have a degree from France and I was a professional chef for about a 16 to 18 years. I spent many years in a kitchen, a very creative career. And I think that had a huge impact on me as far as visuals go and I just like I just reach for my pillow and I'm always like incorporating props and I want my uh, my book covers to be beautiful and, and again visuals are important and I think that is the creative background as a chef and I was able to quit that in 2003 and prior to quitting <clears throat> I always had in my head since I was very young that it would be so exciting it would be so adventurous to be able to live my own life, to call the shots, to not have authority over me, to be independent, to have the freedom to decide how I want to live. And that meant not dressing up in a suit. Uh, you know, I grew up during Star Wars and Star Trek and uh, uh, gangster movies, and I, I, I'm, a, I'm a kid, you know, I'm a 12-year-old, 9-year-old boy in a 50-year-old man's body, and those were the things that were in my head when I was in school, when I was 10 years old, and thinking about all these things I could do. I could be a doctor, an attorney, I could do this or that, and I thought, I heard about working for yourself, you know, the word entrepreneur never came into play, and I thought that sounded fun and exciting. And I wanted fun and exciting in my life. So I was actually able to make it happen thanks to the internet. And I got great at affiliate marketing and search engine optimization and driving traffic. And that's how I got my start. And when I quit my job, I, I kind of acted like most marketers. Now, I acted the same. I was the same person, but be off off camera, like off YouTube videos or uh, not on a blog, I would act goofy and zany. I, I just think life is short and we should have fun. And as I got more comfortable as a marketer and as I really started examining what I wanted when I was young, it was that freedom that to express myself, to have fun, to call the shots. And I think that's when I started just loosening up and really being who I am. And that is I am really serious about the results that I'm after. I take what I do really seriously, but I have, I've had the courage, really, and it's taken a lot of courage to be goofy and be silly, and I use that to my advantage. I use that to grab attention, and then uh, I share a message that hopefully people find valuable, people find helpful. So I've kind of combined the two, you know, and that is being silly and goofy and using that to grab attention. And then as an entrepreneur, that's, we all want that. We all crave attention. And then it's our responsibility once we have it, when somebody gives you, when somebody pays you attention, it's our responsibility to deliver that value. It's such a cliche, value, value, value. But it's true to deliver that value so they continue to pay attention and they stay interested. And I think after, you know, gosh, 12 years as an, as an entrepreneur, I've just really found my voice. I'm goofy. I'm zany. I'm serious. Um, and, and that's just kind of who I am. So I think you did an excellent job in, because you've really come, you kind of covered both things. So well done. Thank you. Well, actually, uh, I, it's interesting that you said that because, uh, I guess we all go through the process of finding our own voice and finding out who we really are. And then, um, it takes courage, as you mentioned, to sort of, you know, share it, um, within what you're doing online and then sharing it with now these days already with everyone because you know people are accessible on internet and whatever you do eventually gets much further than you you were intending in the beginning so um, what do you think like when you started opening up and when your real self came into your brand and started showing off did it actually was it the time when you were getting even better results because of that what was the difference did you feel any difference in results? Well, one of the things to consider is that you've probably heard this before, Annie. When, when we get started as entrepreneurs, um, it's really important to be authentic. And, and, and this is such a struggle for me, too, because at the same time, uh, theater 
the theater in Hollywood. And you might have heard of like uh, going to a play. And the word itself, play, to play. So it's like a lot of times I'll act silly and goofy and I'm acting, but does that mean I'm not authentic? No, it means I'm being who I am and I act like that all the time. And as far as results, there are a lot of people that don't particularly like my over zaniness. They don't like how goofy I am. I'm well aware of that, but there are plenty of people that do. And when I started out, you know, I didn't show as much of that. I don't know if I was hiding it. I just wasn't there yet. I hadn't grown as enough as an entrepreneur. And also I really hadn't grown and, and assessed what's most important to me. And what's most important is that right now I'm having a ton of fun. And every day I want to have a lot of fun. So that I think that just kind of comes through. But, you know, I got great results years ago. I get, I get great results now. I think it's just all a matter. And, and, and again, I think one of the things that's important and that I'm thinking about as I'm answering this is what is success? Is, does that mean money? Is that it? For me, it ain't it. That ain't it. I mean, I want to pay my bills I want to achieve a certain amount of money. I want to have financial stability. But after that, to me, success is doing what you want to do with whom you want to do it with, how you want to do it. And so for me, I have achieved a higher level of success because I get to create my digital marketing art and marketing. And that to me is success. So yeah, well, absolutely. It's, it's it's really like it's it's much more than the money. It's 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 this freedom in all its uh, you know meanings, uh, including the the emotional freedom where you feel comfortable doing what you want with whom you want and how you want it. So, absolutely. So when you are when you got to this point, when you have this, I mean, I presume yourself as a personal brand. So for me, it's, you know, the personal brand, your persona plays a very crucial and central role in that brand. And uh, so how are you balancing that? Did you purposefully put your personality as a core thing of your brand that you are exposing? Or how do you balance between this professional and, and, and value and knowledgeable part of you with your, your personality of fun and goofy and, and all that stuff? Well, I think I, as, just as I went through the years, <clears throat> I, I kind of figured it out. And in the beginning, in fact, I just literally, the last video that I released to my brand new YouTube channel, I, I, talked, about, I talked about using props and having fun. And I, I use a lot of props and again, visuals and whatnot. And I talked about growing comfortable in my own skin. And I showed one of the very first video clips I ever uploaded to YouTube. And it was filmed in 2007. And it kind of went like this. Well, first off, here's the camera lens. And I would be like this. Hi, it's Brian Johnson. Well, welcome to my affiliate programs. It's really great to, to, to be, that you're here. And, and, I, and I was okay. It was fine. And people still listen because I had results. But just over time, I think the more content you put out, the more you publish, the more comfortable you become. It's just inevitable because it's repetition. And I'm thinking of a book um, – the Slight Edge. Have you ever heard of the book The Slight Edge? I think the author is Jeff Olson, maybe. Anyway, there's this diagram. And in the book, uh, it's basically two, two arrows, going one going up and one going down. And the idea is that successful people do what's difficult early until it becomes comfortable. So for mm -hmm. those people that now, you mentioned video and you're a little self-hesitant. I get that. It doesn't mean you need to go forward. But if you wanted to move forward, if video was important to you and you didn't, and you were letting the fact that you were uncomfortable stop you, then perhaps you, know, you wouldn't reach your full potential versus people that are unsuccessful, they do what's easy early. So mm -hmm. a great example is, uh, sometimes I get burnt out and as an entrepreneur, I can relax and it might be really fun to play a video game 
for 10 hours a day for a couple days. Just nonstop, totally obsessed video games. And that's okay for maybe a day or two. But if you do that for three months, it's real fun in the beginning. Oh, it's real fun. And by month three, you're like, I'm a loser. I play video games with 17-year-old boys on the internet and, I, and I'm not doing anything with my life. And what's comfortable early becomes uncomfortable later on. So I think just by you know, just sharing and, and practicing the art of marketing. You know, it's funny. My wife and I, we watch TV commercials and there have been two commercials that, that have really caught our eye. One commercial came on, and you've probably seen these. Sometimes they're in the States for like um, automotive uh, car dealerships. And first thing you hear is the audio. And it's, attention, attention, we have a sale. You should come to our sale. And it's in your face, and you don't, and, and it's so distracting that you want to get away from it. And on the other side of the spectrum is it's so engaging and it's so fun that you pay attention and you actually enjoy the commercial and you talk about it. And, and to me, I think that's just, you know, getting comfortable and learning the art of marketing. And one of the things that I learned is that, you know, people are bored. People are bored of their day-to-day lives, so if they can have some fun and excitement and they can learn the same information, like would you rather learn from a teacher that is boring and dry and you dread spending time with or someone that's fun and engaging? Most people, I think, would choose someone that's fun and has energy. So Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, I mean, I'm sure that when you started doing things, uh, let's say when you started, for example, your YouTube channel, uh, we, we all start at a point where we have a feeling that we're talking to ourselves. There's no one who knows that you have that channel. There's no one who watches your videos. You, you sort of start from the beginning and there is a certain period of time when we you know, until we get this traction, we, we're just alone over there and we don't get a feedback. We don't know whether we're doing it right, we're doing it wrong. So it's very, very important to to get people around you who will be consuming what you are making. How did you end up finding your first viewers? Boy, I really love what you're talking about, Annie. And it, right now I'm, I'm going, I'm in a coaching program and I've got about two dozen students and there are a few people that are very engaged and they're talking about having a tribe and they're talking about um, selling products and doing all these things that we all want to do. But at the same time, they're trying to get started. And my whole thing has been be brave enough to share even though what you have in your head. So I'm, I'm really happy right now because like it, it's taken me about four to five months to produce videos in a manner that I had dreamed about six months ago. And I had to learn a DSL camera and audio and a new editing software and how to present um, on camera and a white balance. And it was a lot of work. But I went through and I learned those things and I'm able to create now because I practiced and I learned all those things. And unfortunately, so many people, they have an idea of what they want and it's over here, but we all start over here. And the only way you get to here is by doing it. And uh, you know, so many people, they want that audience right off the bat. And the fact of the matter is you don't get an audience until you basically publish. And and, and again, a sad fact is so many people, they just don't publish enough. So the very first thing to answer your question, what did I do? I published a lot. I made a lot of videos back in 2007. I launched a lot of websites. I published articles. I published ebooks. I made videos. And I continued to publish. And at the, at the same time, I was, I've always been focused on, and this is one of the things I teach my students, is that you want to really identify what your particular target market is interested in, and you want to create content around that. So one of the things I do is I've, when I started, I mentioned, you know, I've been full-time for, gosh, 14 years. I don't know how many years now. So when I started full-time, there was no Facebook. There was no YouTube. There was no Snapchat or Twitter. It was Google, and it was SEO, and I think that was probably about it because it was 2001, 2002. 
So I learned basic SEO and I learned about search terms and how to incorporate them into a web page. And, and that same information still applies when I make a video. So I'm very, very deliberate and uh, I target what people are searching for and I lead with that. And, and often, to, I still do this today because that's how you grow an audience. So when I make a video, I have a very specific idea. This is a tutorial about iMovie. This is a, a video about how to launch a book. And then at the very beginning of the video, I might say, hey, it's Brian G. Johnson, and I'm so excited to share how I launched my book, drove 3,500 sales, hit Amazon bestseller. So basically, I'm telling the viewer that what you're going to learn about is book marketing and how to launch a book. And I do that in the first few seconds, and then I target that search term. So it ranks in Google or YouTube. They, they find it, and then they watch my video, and they're not really interested in me. And this is the other thing that I think a lot of people starting out need to learn is that nobody cares about me or you. Everybody's in it for themselves. So you, And that's where that value comes in. You have to have the ability to understand what the market wants. You have to deliver it to them. And then if you do it well, they might just want to learn a little bit more about you. And that's how you get your first follower. At least that's how I did. Okay, I see. So basically you... Uh you told how you attracted the audience. Now the, the next step usually is to make sure that they come back because you know there, there is just part of them which comes back and then becomes loyal uh, audience and then starts engaging and all that fun stuff and, and really nice stuff that is coming to you as you know the added value of what you're doing. So um, Obviously, the, the quality of the content and why, you know, the, the things that they are getting for themselves is what keeps them coming back to you. What else is there? Because, uh, you know, most, most probably the same topics have been covered by many other people as well. And probably they also provide value. What is that something that differentiates? I mean, how can one differentiate himself from the others? and make the person choose watching your video because obviously we all have limited time, right? I mean, our audiences can't really follow everyone. They have no. to pick. So what is that something that makes people pick you, for example? Well, over the last three or four years, I feel like I've grown a lot as a marketer. And one of the things that I'm a big advocate on is something I learned from Sally Hogshead. So. Um, are you familiar with her book, How the World Sees You? Really an amazing book, and it's one of these strength finder books where basically you go through the book and it tells you like your strengths and your weaknesses. Now, what I really love about How the World Sees You is that the book premise is not it's going to tell you about you and you get to decide you. It's really about this is what everybody else sees in you. This is how the world views you. And if the world sees you in a certain manner, and obviously we're talking about the positive things, maybe you should incorporate that into your brand so you can leverage the power of better, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I totally blew that. So you can leverage the power of different is better than better. And this is super powerful, and I was basically... Uh, really going through Sally's book, How the World Sees You, in the summer of 2013, no, 2014, and it was about six months before my uh, Trust Funnel book launch. So the book was done. I had books. I was promoting the book, and I was really learning about you know how to create a personal brand that grabs attention and then holds on to it. And Sally's book is all about being fascinating and mm -hmm. leveraging how the world sees you and, and leveraging the things that make you different. So one of the things that I think we start to learn as marketers is that it's all kind of the same. A lot of the things that you teach, um, it could be Joel Kamm on your show, and he might talk about some of the same things I talk about, or maybe it's going to be Chris Brogan who was on your show. And there's a certain amount of baseline information that's out there that 
if you are good at what you do, you're going to learn and then you're going to add your own subtleties to it. But the base information is the same. Like I saw Joel this morning speaking uh, on stage and he mentioned know, like, and trust. And that's like, that's been around for a hundred years. So by really identifying what makes you unique and by identifying what makes you different, because different is super powerful. And if you can create a brand that is different, well, then people are gonna, are gonna remember you because you stand out. So that's one of the things that I do. That's one of the reasons why I'm zany and I'm fun because I figure, you know, I might turn off a percentage of the audience, but I'm not gonna get them all anyway. And by just being who I am, by having fun, by being different, I can create something that's memorable. And then that is how you can uh, create that following and then have them continue to be interested in what you have to say. And then the other part of that equation is I don't want to downplay the importance of value. You know, one of the things I find really interesting is right now I launched the new YouTube channel that you talked about. Um, and, and we should talk about congruency and consistency because it's powerful and that might be a cool topic for this. But I launched this new YouTube channel and in the last three or four days, James Schmanko uh, invited me on his podcast and I've had a ton of people sharing and there's been people saying, I've, I'm learning stuff about YouTube that I've never known. I'm so grateful that you brought this uh, information to my attention. So I think it's really important that we really dive in and create the best content. And the way you do that is you keep learning and you stay interested. And, you know, when I got done with Trust Funnel, I started working on, you know, or I started thinking, what will be my next book? And after about six months, I thought I'm going to do a book about video because I've been a big advocate of video for a long time. And then I started to research and I literally, I went into a cave. I started writing and researching and watching videos and most of it I knew, but I added another 20% to my arsenal. And now I've packaged that up and it's not the same information as the Brian G version. So it's good content. It's different. And I think that's how, you know, I've made it work for me. Oh, interesting. Well, you mentioned uh, about books several times. So I always ask this question because it's it's always interesting. I'm getting different answers every time. So people who are doing stuff online, who have reached the success of having a stable income, doing what they love, and already having a recognizable brand out there, end up deciding and writing a book, which is not the easiest thing to do. So why did you specifically decide to write and launch a book? <clears throat> well, Annie, for me, <clears throat> the primary motivation, and I think this really fits in well with what I just talked about, about really striving to be good at your craft. And I think part of that is staying interested and exploring and doing something you haven't done before. So right now, what am I doing? Well, I've done a lot of videos, but I've never grown a channel to 100,000 subscribers or 25,000 subscribers in a year. So I'm trying to do that. And when I got to the point of writing Trust Funnel, I had Gosh, I had made videos, I had sold products, I had sold membership sites, I had made tons of money as an affiliate marketer, I had done SEO, self-publishing. It's like after a while you start running out of stuff. Like you have to go back and say, well, I've done video, but I've never grown 100,000 subscribers. So that, that's how I'm going to do it this time and that's what I'm doing now. And I think it's because I've, I've done all the other stuff, you know. And I thought, well, I've self-published, but I've never published a book with like a lot of content and yeah, it's going to be hard, but that's okay because you know, when it's all said and done, we only get one run. We only get one opportunity to leave a legacy. You know, earlier you mentioned the fact that what we publish is on the internet forever. It doesn't go away. So this is something that's going to stick around. This has longevity. Now, in 10 years, people will wonder, is this information still relevant? And a lot of it is, but it won't all be. Maybe 9% nine, 9 of it will be outdated. But for some reason, for whatever reason it is, people have a higher value in mind when it comes to books. People just automatically put authors, especially physical books. Uh, I'm just going to speak the truth, and I'm just going to say how it is. 
And if you think that you get the same pull with an ebook, you don't. It, it, sorry, Charlie, but fish are for kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. We still have this perception that printed books are of bigger value. No, no matter that the content is the same, but still the perception is there. And on the events, when you're handing your printed book out there, it's, you know, it creates a completely yeah. different effect and creates a lot of credibility. And you, you get this authority status immediately. <laughs> so that's, that's the thing. You know what's neat too, Annie, is this This is the perfect marketing um, item. It's small. It's not too heavy. You can mail it to people. They can hold it in their hand. Uh, it's what they want because they think it's valuable. They share. People will share books. People won't share your last product, but they'll share your book. So all, this was, you know, one of the another reason why I wanted to do it. Number one, to leave a legacy, to create something worth of value, and and uh, and I thought it it would be fun and a challenge. So that's why I did mm -hmm. it. Yeah, well, I mean, I totally agree with you because my, just about 10 days ago, I was a speaker at New Media Europe and my topic was book is the best business card. So it's it's completely yeah. in line with what you are saying. Oh, and it works. Absolutely. It definitely works. Okay. So. Yeah, pretty, pretty exciting. It was really fun launching my book. It was the, the amount of exposure that I got was insane. Yeah, yeah, it's it's these days it's it's so uh, I, I guess it's the best time to to become an author because you don't have all those barriers. It's up to you and uh, you can do it yourself. And it's it's there's so many things that you can do right now with your books that it's it's just insane. So uh, getting back to I mean, very often when we are having personal brands, we end up also keeping the other balance, the balance between uh, you, your professional business, your knowledge and all that stuff, and your personal life. Because somehow, at some point, your audience, once they get engaged, they become loyal, they start following you. They, It seems like they want to be a little bit engaged in your personal life as well to certain limits, I guess. So how much is like, what's the importance of sharing that part of yourself with your audience? Well, I think this is kind of what goes into, you know, you've kind of touched on this point a few times and, and it goes back to when I was talking about being different and being interesting and creating a brand and whatnot. And, and people are going to respond to number one, people who they would like to become like if there's a certain person and they're living their life in a certain way, whether it's being courageous to say what you want to say or to to act a little silly, but still be in the business world. Um, if someone sees that and it's something they'd like to do, they're they're likely going to stay interested in you. And the other part of that equation is really just having is 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 being willing to share some of your personal life. And, and there's a different line in the sand for everybody. Some people don't share very much at all. Some people share a ton and they can share too much. Um, and, I, and that's not good. It really isn't. But there's a, for me, there's a happy medium where I can be out to dinner. I can take a picture of my wife. Like this was literally last night. And I posted to Facebook and I was like, break time. And it truly was break time. I've been like, this month has been insane. I've been hustling. I was tired. People were like, where are the food pictures? I'm like, you know, uh, break time. Break time. It was, and, and it's like uh, most of the time I'll take pictures of the food. I'll take pictures of my poodles. And these are the things that by incorporating elements of yourself, you can share your core values, who you are as a person. So you mentioned my poodles. Well, I, I kind of find like, I kind of found it was interesting in that I have uh, now two beautiful standard poodles. And when I started uh, using uh, poodles in my marketing, it was just Otis. It was me and Otis. And one day I kind of thought, you know, I've got this beautiful standard poodle. I mean, he looks like he could, he wouldn't win the, a dog show, but he could probably compete. He's a good looking dog. And I thought like, you should put that dog in your marketing because people love dogs. And that's just a reflection of who I am. So by sharing who you are, because at the end of the day, another thing to consider is that 
there are a lot of social media platforms. Some of them are more tailored to business, uh, LinkedIn. Some of them are more tailored to social, Facebook. And people don't always want to be hearing about your latest product. That becomes advertising. And at the same time, if you want to be an influencer, you have to share a, a volume of information. You've got to put your videos out. You've got to put out maybe a podcast. Maybe you want to do um, a blog post. But you have to create content, and you've got to create it more often. So by, cre by sharing who you are, by just saying, hey, this is me. You know, We're on vacation. Or sometimes I'll say, I'm having a crappy day. You know, I... Some, they're not always glorious days. Sometimes I struggle because I'm a human. And I think by sharing that vulnerability, sharing bits of my life, my dogs, uh, my love of food, just who I am, that draws people in. And, and I don't think there's any harm in that. And I think it can only really help a personal brand. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, you know, it drives me to the follow-up question, which is once you already have this audience and once you already have their retention and they sort of, you know, uh, relate to you and, and get connected, how do you keep them engaged and how do you build the relationship with them? Because it's an ongoing process and you sort of, I guess it's a two-way street and you do engage with them, right? Yeah, so to me, to me, marketing is telling engaging stories that peep, uh, that peep. To, let me say that again. To me, mar marketing is having the ability to tell engaging stories that keep people listening. So by sharing what you had for dinner, you're really kind of telling part of a story. And that's the great thing about social media, is it's like an open loop, is that you can start to tell a story and if, if you think of your marketing more as storytelling and telling an ongoing story, it becomes very, very powerful because we all want to know what happens next, especially if it's an exciting story. So like one of the things, to give you an example, when, when I was writing this book, I talked about writing the book. Now, this is really powerful because, number one, there's nothing for sale. It's, it's not intimidating. I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm just telling a story about my desire to write a book. And this is something that a lot of people would like to do. A lot of people would like to be authors, but they haven't been authors. So by me beginning to tell the story, they can live vicariously through me. And then when, when the, the draft is done, I can update again, hey, the first draft is done. And when I get cover concepts, I can say, hey, update. Which of these uh, book covers do you like? And I basically told the story start to finish of launching my book. And by the time I got to the day it came out, I could have been the worst salesman in the world. And I still would have sold a ton of books because I had created a story that people wanted to tune into and listen to. And then by the time it was done, they all wanted to buy a book. So... Yeah. Yeah, I mean it it's definitely works. It it always works with uh they they sort of uh feel being part of the process and and they feel this uh partly ownership of of the book and they definitely want to check it out as a result. So yeah. Yeah, and and I mean the core the core thing is really practice telling stories. Practice telling like if I update Facebook or if I write a blog post or make a video and I'm flying to an event, I'm not going to say I flew to an event, I sat in coach, uh, I did this. I'm going to be like I hurled myself through the air at 30,000 feet. It was amazing. I was in this metal tube-like thing and uh, or maybe I get upgraded to first class. But basically, you know, what I do is I try to take my life and I try to tell about uh, it. It's not even it's not even trying because that sounds like I'm bending the truth. I'm not trying to tell a, an exciting story. I'm trying to live an exciting life. And I think that's where if you do that, then right there, that is something that everybody wants to live an exciting life. So by having that that vision to be the best version of yourself, that gives you ammo to create a great story, you know? 
Okay, so what is next for you? I mean, you've done, as you said, you've done many, many things already. You wrote one book already, you published it, now you're writing the second one. And um, so what are you expecting in the future? Well, I mean, I really, I don't know what the future holds. And I feel like it's, it's my business, but it's none of my business. It's my business to apply myself, to strive to write the best book, I can. Like literally, I was out hiking yesterday, pretty tired from work, and I just wanted to get outside. And I took a short two-second video, and I was like, I'm going to write the best video marketing book that's been written in 10 years. And just like striving for that greatness, you know, and putting in my effort. And then whatever happens, happens. Like if nobody likes the book, well, I did my part. And what I found is that when I apply myself and I and I strive to be the best I can be, then things seem to fall into place. And the other thing I, I kind of wanted, I, I mentioned this quickly, is like having the congruency in your market, marketing and having consistency. So you came on the podcast uh, today, and one of the things, you probably said the word video within a minute. And I think the reason you said that is I've probably been really congruent and consistent with talking about YouTube nonstop, and a lot of people are sick of it, but a lot of people are not sick of it. So I see so many people that they want to be the rock star. But the thing is, it's like if you're the rock star in um, wellness, if then you're the rock star in PPC, and then you're going to be the social media rock star, like it's okay to do different things. It really is. Like, you know, I talked about Trust Funnel, and that was different. That, that wasn't video. It was Trust Funnel. But I talked about this for probably a year and a half, and I was consistent and congruent. So... What's next for me is to, to really focus on YouTube and to continue to learn about video and share what I've already learned, which I'm getting great results. And I think that combination of wanting to learn and being the best I can be and then documenting the process, that's worked really well for me. So I'll continue mm. with that. And I've got a personal goal, which um, is outlandish. And just like saying this on this interview is, is scary to me, but it's easier than it was two months ago. Uh, and that's because my goal is to get 25,000 subscribers on YouTube in one year. And I started on, on March 1st. And after the first month, I probably had like 437. Now, I'm not very good at math, but it doesn't take a math genius to figure out like 500 subscribers a month over 12 months does not equal 25,000. <laughs> And it was really hard, but I just had to say, okay, well, it's my job to continue and to be willing to move forward and be consistent. And, and so that's kind of my goal right now is to hit 25,000 subscribers in a year. And I've got until March 1st of next year. And, and that's what this book is about. It's about what can happen if you start from zero with no subscribers, with no authority, with a brand new channel. Can you really gain traction? And, and so that's the middle. I'm in the middle of this ex experiment and I will carry on and, and I'll keep people posted and then there'll be a book. So Yeah, interesting. I, I'm not specifically a video person. I, I guess everyone knows that. But um, why YouTube? Now everyone is talking about this hot thing, the live streaming thing. And we're all about Facebook Live and, you know, Snapchat and all these other live streaming platforms. Uh, isn't YouTube like old-fashioned stuff? I don't know. I mean, I'm just uh, based no. on... No. <laughs> okay, and what's going to happen with live streaming then? No. <laughs> the answer is no. Okay, let's talk about this because this is really important. And I think this, perspe I think this perspective that I'm going to share needs to be told. Okay. And nobody's thinking about this. Everybody is full steam ahead. And let's talk about the live streaming uh, uh, opportunity right now. So what's the, what's the latest site? Uh, that you Facebook Live? Snapchat? Nope. nope. House? Is that it? Huzzah. 
Haza? Haza or Haza. Yeah, I don't know how okay. to pronounce that. Yeah. Okay. And and I think Blab was pretty big, right? It was, yeah. <laughs> and now what's going on with Blab? Well, it's becoming an old story. It's an old story. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what about this Haza? It's, like, it's like Titanic that everyone is leaving. <laughs> the Blab. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. So everyone's leaving now. So what if you put all your eggs into Blab? What if you grew a huge following on Blab and then everyone decides to leave? Well, that's what happens now. Yes, there were many people who had. Yeah. Then what? So you spend all your time, you build up a tribe, and then everybody leaves. Now let's talk about content and discoverability score. And he's like, what just happened to this guy? He lost his mind. So one of the things I'm writing about in my new book is that if you want to grow a tribe, one of the things to think about is what is your discoverability score? And we all have a discoverability score, and it's based on what we've published. So this adds to my discoverability score. It's only one thing, and you have to go into a bookstore. But if you see it or if you hear about it, it skyrockets my discoverability score because it carries so much weight. If we look at Blab... Okay, number one, when Blab was big, you could create a Blab, but Google never indexed any Blab pages. So if someone was trying to find information about weight loss, and let's say you were in the weight loss industry and you were all on Blab, well, Google would never index any of your Blabs about all the different content you created, keywords, and, and there's no, nothing there. And let's say you go to Hazar or whatever, and let's say that fails too. So your discoverability score is, is next to nothing. Now, at the same time, you can go to Google and you see those damn YouTube videos popping up for years. And they're not going anywhere. So you can publish a video and it can land on Google. And that is important because Google is the biggest search engine on the planet. And the second biggest search engine is YouTube. And furthermore, you can go and search for something really like just for fun. Give me a competitive keyword phrase right now. Give me like a keyword phrase that might be kind of competitive. Uh, about what? Uh, 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 branding or something, or yeah, or whatever you want. Personal branding. Let's try that. Personal branding. Okay, let's take a look. So, okay, this is a perfect freaking example. The number <laughs> one, the number one result on YouTube for personal branding is a video that was published. Five years ago, wow. meaning that you have the opportunity to upload a video and it can be found, it can be discovered for years and years. So what if you created a video every day targeting different keyword phrases and those videos were found two, three, four years later? That would create a huge discoverability score. So that is why I think YouTube is a hell of a bet. Yeah, it's been around a while. So what? I think we need to stop and slow down and think about, you know, if you want to be found, then it's up to us to, to look for a platform that makes sense. And the last thing I'll say about that is we all have a content superpower. And Annie, if you're not a video person, that's awesome. You're doing podcasts and your podcasts are wonderful. That's your content superpower. And it's our responsibility to figure out how we can create super content that supercharges our results so we can achieve the results we want. And, you know, I hear this all the time. Hey, Brian, what's the best platform or what's the best? It's, it's a dumb question. It, the best content is based on your strengths and abilities. And it's up to us to find a, a, a platform that makes sense. You know, the thing about podcasts is that they can be found on iTunes and, and people listen to them. Like all the platforms are, are different and it's really important to look at your own strengths and, and make a content marketing plan that will allow you to be discovered by those people in your target market. Okay, now I'm really happy I didn't ask that dumb question. <laughs> okay. That you didn't ask the dumb question? Yeah, which platform is best? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's yeah. just, 
it's, so, it's, so yeah, the main message is, I guess, just, you know, see what is your superpower, what works best for you, and don't chase all the new shiny things that everyone is running after. I, I, there's a lot to be said about the new shiny, but there's also a lot to be said about the old school. And we need to think about all of these things, you know, it's the platform plus how you create your content. So there's nothing wrong with being interested in what's coming out new. But if that's all it ever is, and if you don't create a strategy based on something that you know is going to work, I know that YouTube's going to work. It already is. I've got screenshots of people, like I uploaded a video the other day about a new app that uh, YouTube launched. And I knew, I'm like, people are going to search for this app. It's for video marketers. So I'm going to create a video about it. And sure enough, someone came in and said, I can't believe this isn't for Android. It looks so awesome. I would totally use this. And then I asked her, hey, just wondering, how did you find me? <laughs> and she said, oh, I was searching YouTube for the app and I found your video. So, so that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, you, you have me totally convinced for sure. <laughs> Okay, so I guess the last thing is, uh, since we already covered everything about uh, that my listeners totally have to check you out and get more information of everything you've created up to now, because videos are really, really fun. I, I enjoy watching them for sure. So um, where can people find you to, to get more of you? I'm on YouTube. You can find me at YouTube, Brian G. Johnson TV. I've got two poodles. And when you subscribe, you'll feed a poodle. So help me out. Subscribe to my channel. I got to get 25,000 subscribers. 25,000. That's a lot. YouTube, Brian G. Johnson. Okay, go ahead and help Brian G. Johnson to get to the 25,000 <laughs> until March 1st. I'm subscribed already, so it's, oh, thank you. it's up thank to you. the rest to do that. <laughs> well, thanks you know, a it's lot. Pretty yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it's really fun and exciting now. Like yesterday, I think 40, 40 people subscribed. And the day before, 27. You know, in when I started on March 27th, three people subscribed. Yeah, well, great. So. It's, it's like I'm, I'm not doing anything on YouTube yet. But I have just, you know, the audio versions of my podcast in there. You know, I'm just uploading it to have it there. And I already have about 70 subscribers without doing anything. So I, I have no clue how they discovered me, to be honest. But uh, anyway, yeah. It's searching. <laughs> they found you searching. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I guess that's it. Everyone goes to YouTube, subscribes to Brian G. Johnson TV. And thanks a lot for coming. I really enjoyed this interview. And oh, we'll thank you so much, Annie. We'll it was really touch. a pleasure. It was really fun to spend time with you. Thank you for having me. Well, it seems like that's all that I had for you today. I truly enjoyed the interview and I hope you did that too. Uh, in case you would like to watch the video version, it's on the YouTube at uh, anialexander.com backwards slash YouTube. So you ch can check it out and see my channel and it should be there. Um, what else should I say? Yeah, of course, if you want to join uh, the Brand Architect Club, make sure that you check it out at anialexander.com backwards slash membership because we're having fun in the closed group. We're having live calls. It's moving forward. And I would love to see you over there as well. Well, that was all. I'm, I've been accused recently that I'm very picky about my guests that I'm very picky about the content I cover but I truly believe that this is the only way to ensure good quality and to make sure that you get value instead of just wasting 45 minutes of your time so that's it take care I'll meet you in the next episode thanks a lot for listening to me once again if you have a second and would love to make my day please go to iTunes and leave a review to the brand architect podcast and of course subscribe to it so I get better rankings that's it take care and have a great day <laughs>